Matthew chapter 6, Matthew 6 verse 16. Philip, verstaan jy vrou, bykie Afrikaans. Jy moet al leer. <laughs> ok, so Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18. And the theme, fasting, a feast for the soul. Of in Afrikaans, vas a feestmal vir die siel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we acknowledge you as the Holy One and I'm deeply aware this morning of how little we are, Lord. Perhaps not enough. Perhaps we still, in our own minds, we are still too great. And yet we want the attitude of John the Baptist. Christ must increase, we must decrease. O oh Lord, this is the one to whom you will look, the one who is, has a humble heart and who trembles at your word. And so we come, yes, proud creatures who need to be humbled, and we lie low before your feet, our Lord and our God, and pray that you would instruct us and help poor sinners through the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Jesus, who cleanses us, the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. We pray, speak, O Lord. Open our ears, and let the word be planted in our hearts as seed in the soil, and let it grow and bear much fruit, to the glory of God the Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you. So, I spoke to a pastor, a young pastor, about three weeks ago, and he's very new to the ministry as a pastor, and I challenged him on some things and gave him some advice from what I've learned over 20 years of ministry, and then I challenged him on the topic of fasting. Fast, ne? Fast and gebed. Fasting and prayer. And he said to me, I've never done that before. How should I do it? What should I do? And then I gave him some guidelines. I sent him a sermon I preached on this before uh, to help him. And perhaps there's someone like here this morning. Maybe not even someone, but maybe a number of you, you've never fasted before. You've never done this and you don't know how. And so I'm going to try and show you from Matthew 6 and some other passages of the Bible how we should fast as Christians and why it's important for us as Christians to fast. So let us read Matthew 6. You can follow the Afrikaans if you want on the screen. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. Matthew 6 verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may, may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret 
will reward you. So first question, how should you fast? Now you know the Muslims, uh, Muslims have got a whole month of fasting. They call, it's the ninth month of their year and they work with the lunar calendar, not a solar calendar like we do. So it, it's not the same, like, you know, like uh, Passover or like uh, Easter weekend doesn't fall on the same weekend because it's according to a Jewish lunar calendar, the moon calendar. So they've got Ramadan where for 30 days they fast. And that's actually one of the five pillars of Islam. One of the five things they must do to be saved and to have eternal life, to go to paradise as they call it. And so for 30 days they fast from sunrise until the sun sets. You're not allowed to eat anything. And so what they do, which I'm not I don't recommend this and I, I don't think you and I should do this, is they eat as much as they can before sunrise. So it'll keep them and help them through the day. And then when sun sets, then they have a great meal together. And so during, during this, these hours of fasting, they give gifts to the poor, and then they spend time in prayer during that time to their God. The Bible teaches us that fasting does not make you more spiritual. The Apostle Paul said in 1, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8, Food will not commend us to God, and to say, I'm not going to eat, that won't commend you to God either. Or you remember the Pharisee standing in front, right in the front in the temple in Luke 18, he says, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, and so on and so forth. I fast twice a week. That does not make you spiritual. And yet, Jesus is not against fasting. Like one man said to me, fasting is it's mysticism. It's Roman Catholic mysticism. Well, Jesus is not against fasting. Uh, Jesus assumes that his disciples will fast because it says, and when you fast. In other words, the disciples of Jesus, sometime or another, they're going to fast. You find that later in the New Testament, in books, book of Acts, Handelinger, Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14, you see the early church fasting, spending time in fasting and prayer. Now, what does it mean to fast? Because I'm using this word, fast, 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 ne, fasting, fasting. What does it mean? It means, now I have my English right now, because I'm Afrikaans and now it's you something. Refrain, withhold, deprive. <laughs> okay, so you refrain from eating. You refrain from the basic necessities of life. For instance, food. Like Jesus, he fasted for 40 days. Luke chapter 4, and it says for 40 days he did not eat. Or you can refrain from food and water. Uh, like Ezra in Ezra chapter 10, or the Apostle Paul even, when Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, after that bright light shone, he was blind for three days. For three days he did not eat and he did not drink anything. Or Moses, for 40 days he did not eat anything, he did not drink anything. Or maybe to say, uh, I'm only going to eat vegetables and drink water, like Daniel and his friends in Daniel chapter 1. Or in Daniel 10, where Daniel didn't have any treats any goodies, any chocolate. 
dit sê in die Bijbel, hy het nie lekker na jy gehad nie. So he didn't have any treats, or weet nou nie wat sê Engels daar nie. Never mind. In Daniel 10, check it up for yourself. And it also says he didn't eat any meat. And he didn't drink any wine. Or you can even fast by getting up earlier in the morning. To say I'm going to get up a bit earlier to spend extra time in prayer. That you find in Daniel 6. Remember when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den and he kale, It said that the king couldn't sleep that night and he spent the night fasting. Okay. Uh, there's a story that John Piper tells of someone who he, he was busy preaching on this topic of fasting and after the service a man came to him and said my father was a missionary in South Korea and I remember as a child my dad would take us to the prayer meeting early in the morning their prayer meeting at that church started at four o'clock in the morning and so the dad would take him there and he said he was so he was so shocked almost he can never forget this picture as the prayer meeting was about to start a man came in by the door walking on his hands he didn't have legs like a crab almost on his hands you can imagine for that guy what it took to get up early to be in time for the prayer meeting at four in the morning that's a kind of fasting now the bible does not tell us how should you fast the bible doesn't say how must you fast how often you should fast and for how long you should fast uh, in colossians 2 for example Paul says it's, it's a kind of false religion to say, do not touch that, do not handle that, do not taste that. You know, you've got all these man-made rules, and now you tell people, don't eat this, don't do that, don't do this. It's um, almost like in a very early document of the Christian church. Now, this is, not, this is not false teaching that the document teaches. It was the early Christians, right in the first century, it's called the Didache, the teaching. Um, but there was... There were some things, because that, that document's not the Bible, it's not inspired by the Holy Spirit. So there were, there were some errors in it. And one of the errors was, it said that Christians must fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. You may not fast on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Now that is nonsense. You can't make these rules. As soon as you do that, now you start being religious and it's not Christian anymore. Now as a congregation, you saw that on the screen. We are going to fast, we're planning to fast and pray from the 24th of January, that's next Monday, to the 30th of January. So the 6th day, wat ons gaan spandeer in vast en gebed. It is not compulsory. We are not forcing anyone to do this. Um, it is totally voluntary. It is vrijwillig, heeltemal vrijwillig. We cannot force you to do this because the Bible does not tell you to do this. It doesn't command you must fast from that day to that day. Like for instance in the Roman Catholic Church, not only the Roman Catholics, even some Protestant churches, they've got, you've heard of Lent. Lent is a, a period where they fast for 40 days, uh, 40 days before, before Easter Sunday. So there's a period of fasting. Now that's fine if you want to fast for 40 days, that's fine. No one, no one is saying you can't do that. But you can't force other Christians to now do that and say, you must do this. And that, unfortunately, is what the Roman Catholic Church does. They say that at least on the Fridays during that 40 days, every Friday, uh, Friday you are supposed to fast. It is compulsory. You must fast. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 spoke of false teachers who would come. And these false teachers would come into the churches and say, 
you may not eat this, you may not eat that. As if you're now more acceptable to God because you're not, you don't eat bacon or you don't eat whatever. Sparrows. Uh, we don't want to be religious. We want a relationship with the living God. And if you start making these rules that the Bible doesn't make, then you become religious. And as I said earlier, it's no longer Christian. So, 24 to 30 January, you are going to decide, do you want to fast with us? No one's forcing you to do this. And you are going to decide for yourself how you will fast. What are you going to do? Are you going to... Are you going to, for the, the week, say, no coffee for me, or no sugar, or um, are you going to say, I'm not going to eat at all? Are you going to say, I'm just going to fast from, from sunrise to sundown, and then in the evenings I'll have my meal? Are you going to say, no, I'm only going to miss one meal for the day, and that'll be maybe lunch, or maybe breakfast, or what it may be, what you decide? Or are you going to say, I'm going to get up earlier, a half an hour earlier for those six days, and spend that time in God's Word and in prayer? So you decide for yourself. Now please, don't get rid of something. But don't cut out something that's easy. Don't say, oh, I'm going to miss breakfast for the week. But you don't have breakfast anyway. You're not a breakfast person. Well, that's not fasting then. Rather say something, I'm, I'm going to really sacrifice something. I'm a person who drink eight, uh, I drink eight cups of coffee a day. Not me. This is an example of you. <laughs> I drink eight cups of coffee a day. So for those six days, I'm not going to have coffee at all. That is sacrifice. And that's what we mean by fasting. So the, the point I'm trying to make, and the point the Bible and the point Jesus is trying to make when he speaks of fasting is, you are saying, by fasting, you are saying, my belly, my pains, my mach, my stomach is not my God. Philippians 3 verse 19. The false teachers, their stomachs are their God. You are saying, I have a greater hunger for God than I have for food and water. Or food and coffee or whatever. Like the psalmist writes, ne? As a deer pants or thirsts for streams of water in the desert, so my soul thirsts for you, O God. Or, or, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They will be satisfied. That is what you're saying when you fast. I am more hungry for you, O God, than for this food. I am leaving this for a period to show that to you and to acknowledge that. So you see what fasting also does. Fasting helps that the blood in your body goes to the brain and not to the stomach. So you can focus. You've got a sharper focus in prayer. So you've got that focus in prayer. You can focus on the Lord. And yet, we should acknowledge that fasting does have an effect on the body. And you're going to see that. Especially if, you fast for a, if you've been fasting for a few days. Because your body is now it's, it's detoxing. So you get headaches. And you get uh, white on your tongue. And... Uh, you feel dizzy and you, your body feels a bit weak. And that's fine. If you've never fasted, don't get a fright and think you must go to the doctor. Something's wrong. Maybe you should go to the doctor. I'm going to talk to diabetics now. Um, people who are diabetic. But, but that's normal. And what you do in that case is you say to the Lord, Lord, please strengthen my body. Lord, will you be my strength? Lord, will you be my water? Will you be my bread? Now, if you are a diabetic... 
you've got sugar problems, if you ask someone you've got some dangerous condition, then probably you shouldn't fast in the normal way, but you should fast in other ways that God tells us in the Bible. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5, Paul speaks of husbands and wives, and he says that they can, by mutual agreement, they can agree together as husband and wife that intimacy or sexual relationship in marriage, we're going to refrain, we're going to abstain. Abstain. We're going to abstain from that. For a short time, and we're going to spend extra time in prayer. So that's also a kind of fasting that you can practice. Now, this is important. Don't fast without praying. What do we call fasting without praying? A diet. Intermittent fasting. That's just a diet. That's not, that's not, the Bible doesn't command us to do that. A question someone may ask is, but can't I just pray without fasting? Why should I say I'm not going to eat or I'm not going to drink coffee or whatever? Why should I do that? I can, might as well just spend time in prayer. Well, you can, you can spend time in prayer without fasting. That's fine. But you see what fasting does is fasting strengthens prayer. Let me give you a quote by Andrew Murray. Prayer is the one hand with which we grasp the invisible. Fasting is the other hand, that the one with which we let go of the visible, food. So this hand, prayer, in faith I grasp, I take a hold of God. This hand, I let go of the visible, food and coffee and whatever else. So two hands working together uh, in prayer, and prayer is strengthened. And then what fasting also does, fasting will reveal your heart to you. Fasting will, what show, will show you what is inside your heart. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, Annika. When Werner comes home and he's really angry, he's so much irritated. Yes, I say near, not me. But sometimes it's true, right? You're hungry or you haven't had your six cups of coffee today. You're like a bear with a sore tooth. You're irritated and... So you see what fasting does. Fasting shows, it reveals your heart. And that's what we see in Isaiah 58, verse 4. God says, yes, you're fasting, but what are you doing? You're fighting at work. Your fasting is not acceptable. Because these people are now angry. I haven't eaten, and now some are The devil in for my workers. They're going to write something on today, because I'm that's not the fasting God wants, the kind of fasting He desires. And then something else fasting does, it shows, it shows what controls you. What controls you? If you get irritated because I haven't had my so many cups of coffee, or I haven't had sugar and I'm sh shivering, I need sugar in my system, or I haven't eaten, uh, that also shows what controls you. Or not, you don't even have to be irritated. It's just like you, you, can't, you can't do this. By lunchtime, you've had enough. I, I must break this fast. I need chocolate. I saw the chocolate in the cupboard or I saw the coffee and I need coffee now. And so th that's not the way the Lord wants us to live as Christians. Other things should not control us, be it sugar, be it food, be it um, coffee, be it whatever. It shouldn't control us. We must control our appetites. We must control our bodies. Paul says, I even, I pummel myself. I box my body to tell myself, I'm in charge of you. You're not in charge of me. Stomach, you're not going to tell me what we're doing today. I'm telling you what we do. 
and ask the Lord then, the Lord Jesus, as I said earlier, Lord, will you be my bread? Will you be my water? Jesus himself, Jesus calls himself the bread of life. Jesus says, come and eat. I am the bread of life. Come and drink. He's the water of life. Like a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, when he fasts, he says, as soon as he, he gets that taste in his mouth, it's like, now he really wants coffee. Now he really wants tea. Then he tells, it, then he, then he tells the Lord, Lord, that rich and bold aroma of coffee, will you be there to me? That spicy uh, fragrance of tea, will you be there to me? And you can, you, you can even apply that to whatever way you fast. Uh, Lord, just like, like sugar, I'm, I'm, I'm not having sugar for six days, or I'm not, I'm not sleeping as much for these six days. I'm getting up earlier. Lord, may I find my rest in you. So when you feel tired, you've got up early. Lord, Lord, help me to stay awake. Be my rest. Be my resting place. Or you want that sugar, Lord, will your word be to me sweeter than honey? What should you fast for? Balfour with me is fast. The Bible doesn't tell you. It doesn't tell you you should pray for this, you should pray for that during the fast. Uh, usually people fast when they become desperate. They become desperate and there's a need and they want to go to the Lord in prayer and they want to show, Lord, I am seeking you intensely. I desire you intensely. Now I'm going to give you a lot of examples from Scripture, from the Bible, what people fasted for. Uh, judges, Richters, Judges chapter 20, verse 26 to 28. They were really in trouble. The enemy was pressing upon them, uh, the Benjaminites. This was a civil war in Israel. And they called to God and they fasted until sundown. Or the Apostle Paul, when they appointed elders in certain churches in the province of Galatia, they fasted and prayed when they appointed these elders. Sometimes people fast because they want to humble themselves before God. Like David. Remember when David's baby, his baby boy got sick and he fasted and prayed. Lord, please spare the child's life. And God didn't. The child died. But he fasted. He wanted to humble himself because he had sinned against God. Um, and then even in this passage, Jesus, verse 16 to 18 of Matthew 6, Jesus speaks of how you come and don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. No, but you come to your father in secret. And you fast in that way. Now, this is dangerous. When you come and you fast, and your purpose in fasting is to humble yourself, be careful that you're not prideful. Oh, I haven't seen you eating for the past five days. <laughs> yes, I'm fasting. That's prideful. That's like the Pharisee. Oh, Lord, I fast twice a week. Or like these hypocrites in verse 16 to 18, looking gloomy. Why are you looking gloomy? Why haven't you combed your hair today? Oh, I'm fasting. I'm fasting. Another reason people fast is for protection against the enemy. King Jehoshaphat in the book of Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 20. You read where King Jehoshaphat, in the first four verses, the people fasted and they prayed because the enemy again was pressing. Lord, deliver us from this enemy. Deliver us. They're greater than us. They're stronger than us. We do not know what to do, but we are calling to you. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Why? In a battle against Satan, conquering his enemy, conquering the enemy. Ezra also, they fasted and prayed for protection as they were going to travel more than a thousand kilometers. Uh, Jesus said about a demon. Remember when the, the disciples couldn't cast the demon out of the boy? And they said, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said, this kind will not go out except through fasting and prayer. 
So there, fasting again. Perhaps you are very strongly tempted with some sin in your life. Or it feels like the devil keeps on attacking you and it's, it's from every direction and you can't fight this. Fast. Fast and pray. Call on the Lord. Another reason people fasted in the Bible is love. A love for the poor. In Isaiah 58 verse 6 and 7, this is the, this is the principle. So you are fasting and you decide, I'm going to skip lunch every day. That lunch you, sh you would have eaten, you take that and you give it to a poor person. So that's also a purpose of fasting. Another purpose of fasting is you want extra time in God's presence. And I think this is especially important when people say, I don't have time. Well, make time. Fast. And the hour you would have spent having lunch, use that time in prayer and in the Word. So now you do have time. You see that with Anna, for instance, Anna, in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 36 to 38. Day and night she spent in fasting and prayer. She wanted extra time in God's presence. And then another reason people fast is because they want, uh, they see, they, they want to see the work of God advancing. They want to see the work of God moving forward, the kingdom of God spreading, the gospel spreading. And so they spend time fasting. Uh, you get that in the New Testament in Acts chapter 13, where the early Christians in Antioch, they spent time in fasting and prayer. And then the Holy Spirit said, set Paul and Barnabas apart for me. They're going into the mission field. They're becoming missionaries. Jonathan Edwards did this. Jonathan Edwards challenged pastors in Scotland and in the United States in the 1700s. He challenged them to spend a day or a period in fasting and prayer, especially for the advancement of the kingdom of God, for the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I remember Martin Holt, the late Martin Holt did this. This is about 16 years ago. And we would do this often, I think once a month, if I can remember correctly. We would meet as a group of pastors from different churches and we would spend the day in fasting and prayer, praying for the salvation of the lost, praying for revival, praying for the spreading of God's kingdom. Who knows? Who knows what the effect might be if we fast and pray for the work of the Lord? To advance. Who knows what will happen if we fast and pray for sinners to be saved and for God to send a revival. Let me just give you this quote by John Piper on that passage in Acts 13 where they fasted and prayed. That moment of prayer and fasting in Acts 13, Piper says, resulted in a missions movement that would catapult Christianity from obscurity into being the dominant religion of the Roman Empire. And within two and a half centuries, that would happen. And it would yield 1.3 billion Christians or adherents, people who at least confess that they are Christians in the world today because of that day when they fasted and prayed and the gospel spread. It came from uh, the Middle East, it came from Israel and Syria and it spread into Europe and it spread further and further and further and the rest is history and here the gospel is right here in Kempton Park, South Africa today because of that day of fasting and prayer. The first missionaries went out. And, Piper says, 13 out of the 27 books of the New Testament, that's Paul's letters, 13 of those books, were a result of the ministry that was launched in that historic moment of fasting and prayer. Not one of Paul's letters were written before Acts chapter 13. But when they fasted and prayed and the missionaries went out, how many letters did Paul write? 
So you've got 13 books in your Bible because of that day of fasting and prayer. So that's, that's what we're going to pray for. That's our plan. What we're going to pray for in a week's time. When we fast and pray, we want to pray for sinners to be saved this year. You've seen the church grow a lot in the last three years. How many people have we seen saved? I think I can count them on my one hand. Maybe, maybe I'll have to use a second hand. But we've seen a lot of growth, but so few self, uh, conversions. So few people being saved. We're going to pray for our outreaches. Alright, so remember this please. We'll, I'll, we'll say this next Sunday again. But this is what we're going to pray for. People to be saved. For our evangelistic outreaches and missions outreaches. And we're going to pray for laborers to go out. I preached this last Sunday. There are many lost people. How many people are there reaching them with the gospel? Very few. So we're going to pray that God will send out people to save the lost. We're going to pray for a closer relationship to Jesus and that we would be a holy bride, a holy church, holy to the Lord, obedient to our Master and our Savior. And whatever else you want to fast and pray for, that's fine. But those are some of the things we want to bring as elders. We had a day of fasting and prayer last Saturday. Not, not three days ago, or yesterday, the previous week. We had a day of fasting and prayer. And this is one of the things that we believe the Lord laid on our hearts, is to call the whole church to a week of fasting and prayer. So what we're going to do, we'll have that week. And then on the Tuesday night, next Tuesday, not coming Tuesday, Tuesday the, the Tuesday night, the Wednesday night, and the Thursday night, at 7 o'clock, 7 to 8 o'clock, we're going to have a time of prayer at the church. So again, we're not forcing anyone, but we are inviting you to say, come and pray with us on those three nights where we gather as a congregation to pray. And you can do this online too. Some of you can't be here because you get home at, at 6.45 or 6.30 and you haven't had supper yet. Well, maybe you can skip supper because it's a week of fasting. Uh, but... But then join us online. Tell Peter. And if you don't know who Peter is, if you're visiting us, um, Peter is the guy helping him and Ati work at the back. His hand just went up. You can contact him and say, please, uh, take my phone number and send me the link. And you just click on the link on your phone and we'll hear you and you will hear us um, for prayer. And even those listening online, maybe you're in another town. We've got people from other towns joining us for our prayer meetings. And you can do that too. And join us online for prayer. And then on the Sunday, we'll end our day of our week of fasting with the Lord's Supper. Although we don't usually have uh, the Lord's Supper on the fifth Sunday of the month, as he faithed Sunday and January, but we'll have the Lord's Supper, Nachmal, and then after that, we'll have a bring and share. A love feast, a lift a small, where you bring your meal that you would have eaten at home, and then we break the fast and we eat together. All right, that's first question. Second question, what should you focus on? Waarop moet jy focus? In die, in, in, wanneer mens vast en bid. What should you focus on? So first of all, if you want fasting to mean anything, you must be saved. What will it help? What will it help if you fast and pray, but you're not even saved? 
That's just like flogging yourself, whipping yourself, self-custodian. That's like George Whitfield in England in the 1700s. And John Kinnick, his friend. Before Whitfield and Kinnick got saved, before they became Christians, they fasted a lot. They would eat acorns and crabs and grass and leaves to try and get God's attention and say, look how I'm suffering. Oh, look how sorry I am, how humble I am. Please look at me. And it didn't work. Didn't work. Or maybe you like King Ahab then. You're not saved, but you're fasting. And that's what King Ahab did, that evil king of Israel. In 1 Kings 21, verse 27 to 29. Ahab, oh, he fasted and he, and he put ash on his head and he took off his royal robes and he put on sackcloth. Now he's fasting. And yes, it did draw God's attention because he humbled himself, but it was temporary. He went back to his sin after that. He continued sinning and died in his sin. What we rather want to do is what Kurs read to us in Joel chapter 2, verse 12 to 17. Don't rend your, rend your clothes. Don't tear your clothes. Tear your heart. Scare your heart. Be humble before God. Like the people of Nineveh when Jonah preached to them in Jonah chapter 3. They, they came before God in true humility and in repentance. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Wash your hands and cleanse your hearts. Mourn, weep before God. Humble yourself and He will exalt you. And then lie before God. Lie down, lie flat on your face before the Lord Jesus Christ, before the crucified and risen Savior, until He restores you, until He forgives you, until He picks you up and cleanses you with His blood. And once that has happened, now you are ready for fasting and prayer. Now you can come before the Lord and not fast so that everyone can look at you and see you and think, wow, you're spiritual, you're fasting. No, verse 16. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. And what, what reward will you get if you fast in that way? You want everyone to see you and say, hey, how's the fast going? What reward are you going to get? Exactly what you wanted. You want people to see you. And that's all you'll get. You'll get nothing from God. And that's what we read in Isaiah 58. The Israelites say, why, why, we fasted and you're not looking, you're not, you're not doing anything, Lord, why not? Rather do verse 17, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, comb your hair, wash your face, look as normal as possible. Don't comb your hair extra beautiful. Why is your hair so beautiful? I'm fasting. No. You, that misses the point on the other, that's at the other extreme. Just, what Jesus' point is just be normal. Look as normal as possible. Don't have to tell everyone you're fasting. Why look as normal as possible? Why comb your hair? Why wash your face? Because, or your face? Because fasting in the New Testament is a feast. It's a feast for the soul. Yes, you're not feasting your body. <laughs> And feeding your body. But the soul is feasting upon God. Luke chapter 5 verse 33 to 39. Jesus says the bridegroom is with the disciples. The bridegroom is with the guests. How can they fast now? But now you see the bridegroom. Yes he sent his Holy Spirit. But the bridegroom we longing for him to come again. And so we desire there's a feast for the soul. We long for Christ. Focus, focus, focus. On the inward. Not the outward. Internal, not external. Not all the attention focused on you. Verse 18 says that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. 
That's where the focus must be on God. Now question, how do you know you're really fasting to honor God? How do you know it's, you really want to please God? Because sometimes we say, oh Lord, we just want to honor you. And yet in our hearts there's a, there's a secret desire to honor ourselves. How do we know we really want to honor God? Well, ask yourself this question. Are you totally content? Are you totally happy? Are you totally satisfied if no one knows that you're fasting? Only God. Or are you, are you, are you coming, do you come in subtle ways? Just subtle ways. You just want to give a hint that you're busy fasting. You just want someone to know I'm fasting for a whole week. Will someone give me credit, please? I'm not saying that no one may find out you're fasting. I'm not saying that. It's about focus. Where is the focus? Is it on God or is it on self? According to Jesus, the true believer focuses on his Father. His Father who is in secret. He wants to please God. It's about a relationship. It's about fellowship with God. It's about in intimacy with God. It's about, He's my Father. Verse 18. He doesn't say that the Father in heaven. No, your Father. Your Father. There's a relationship. You're a child of God. That's what fasting is about. I want to draw near to God. The true believer, he speaks of your Father who is in secret. The true believer wants to come to this Father in secret. And you have a desire, you have a desire. Reveal yourself to me. The Father who is in secret. Just like a husband and wife. A husband and wife. Where, where and when do husbands and wives share their deepest secrets with one another? When they are alone. That's what's going on here. Your Father who is in secret. Being alone with your Father. Oh, and He shares His secrets with you from the Word and in prayer. Thomas Brooks says that private prayer is the golden key that opens to us the mysteries of the Word. I've heard preachers say, Chris and Rolf and I have spoken about this. I've heard preachers say that, and they're very few of these preachers who say this, but sermons, preaker, Sermons are prepared not in the study, but in the prayer closet. That's where sermons are prepared, where you draw near to God, yes, with your Bible open, but in prayer. And God shows you great and marvelous things you have not known. Jeremiah 33 verse 3. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and wondrous things you have not known. And God opens the scriptures to us and God shows us His truths. Now, some Christians, unfortunately, some Christians never go deeper than the surface in their relationship with God. It's a very superficial relationship. And why? Because they don't do verse 18. They don't spend much time with their father in secret. They're too busy. They're too busy. And yes, you may tell me you're too busy. Some of you on... You're not speaking the truth because you, you've got other things that you will drop. You'll drop that thing and uh, my friend has arrived. And now you've got time, but you don't have time for the Lord. Or maybe you are too busy. Really, really. You don't have time for other things either. But then you're busy with the wrong stuff. 
If you don't have time for your Creator, for your Saviour, for your Lord, for your Father, you need to rethink your priorities. Some of you are too much, you're in too much of a hurry. Yes, you do spend time with God, but you never come to your Father in secret. Really, really, your Father sharing His secrets with you. Why? You're in a hurry. You need to get this done. You need to tick the boxes. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray. You need to get going. Fasting will help you with that problem. Because by fasting, now you can skip your coffee break. And it takes you four minutes to make your cup of coffee and another six minutes to drink it. And now you've got ten minutes you can spare. And you do that eight times a day. Or six cups of coffee a day. You do have time. You do have time for God. And you should make that time with your Father. And please see to it that your heart is right when you come. Because verse 18 says, your Father sees in secret. Verse 6 says, go, go into your room, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father who is in secret. God sees the heart. And because God sees the heart, it's fine for you to just pray in your mind. You don't have to say the words. You know the word of faith movement, the prosperity guys, prosperity gospel. And even sadly, this has crept into some churches. And maybe you have even said that I speak this. Now I speak life. Now I speak this. That is nonsense. That is new age. That is not Christian. Your father sees in secret. You cannot manipulate him by saying, now I've spoken a word. Now it will happen. I heard a pastor preach, uh, pray that way in a prayer meeting. And the pastor said, a pastor of a prosperity church, and he prayed and he said, Lord, now we know we will have this because we have spoken it into the air. That is not biblical Christianity. Your father sees in secret. Even if you whisper a prayer, even if you do not even move your lips, it can just be in the heart. Your father sees in secret. He sees your thoughts. He knows your thoughts. Remember when Jonah was sinking and he prayed to God and then God sent the fish? Jonah couldn't say words. He's underwater. He's busy drowning. Even Hannah, she's, she's desperate. In need, she wants a child. And she pleads to God and only her lips are moving. There's no sound. God sees in secret. Nehemiah stands before the king. And the king says, yes, why are you sad? And he's very afraid of the king. And he says, I pray to the God of heaven. No, he didn't go on his knees and pray in a corner somewhere. Just in his heart, God sees in secret. He knows your thoughts. Thomas Brooks says, one sigh, one groan, insuch, one sigh, one groan from a broken heart is better pleasing to God than all human eloquence. All these great words you can say. Oh, that's not as important. God sees the heart. He sees in secret. And, and even if you do, not even know what, you, you do not even know what to say, you do not even have the words, then Jesus, or the Apostle Paul teaches us in Romans 8, verse 26 and 27, the Holy Spirit comes, it's like He fetches the words from your heart, and He brings it, and He makes it pleasing and acceptable to the Father, through the blood of Jesus, through the death of Jesus, but also because the Spirit knows how to pray. And the Spirit knows what you mean. Your father sees in secret. And you know when that helps you? That helps you. When you're a Christian lady lying in an old age home and you share a room with four other people and you can't pray aloud. 
or you're in a hospital and there are other patients in your room and you can't pray aloud, or you live in a flat, a single bedroom flat with six people, and you can't pray aloud, there's no privacy, then this helps. Your Father sees in secret. You don't need to say the words aloud. You can pray in your mind. No one can stop you. Or you live in a house, maybe in a persecuted country, maybe in South Africa. You've got a husband who's not a Christian. And he forbids you to go to church and he forbids you to pray. He can't stop you from praying in your mind. Your father sees in secret. So God, God sees what you pray and God will reward you. Verse 18 at the end. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. How does he reward you? Let me close in this. Almost done. He rewards you by answering your prayers. Now when God answers your prayers, isn't that a booster for your faith? That boosts your geloof. No, that helps your geloof. And, and, and it leads to thanksgiving and it leads to praise. And it leads you to pray more. Because if God answered this prayer, why will He not answer the next prayer? <laughs> that encourages more prayer. Another reward God gives you is He will reward you on the judgment day. Now, it's not saying you can earn your way to heaven by, by fasting. But what it is saying is... Your Father in heaven will reward you for your service in His kingdom. And that we, we've got examples of that. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 12 to 15. Matthew, remember the story Jesus told you, Matthew 25, of the three servants. And one got five talents, one got two talents, one got one talent. And how they used that, they were rewarded for that. And so your Father will reward you. And here's the greatest reward of all. Uh, I, think, I think the second one might be the greatest, but this one is very great. Another way God rewards us is with an experience of Himself. Erfaring van Himself. You are so aware of the nearness of God, the closeness of God. He draws near to you. I hear a sin van And He fills you with this peace and love and joy. You cannot describe it to anyone. You can't write it down in the book and say, follow these steps, here's a recipe. There's no recipe. You just draw near to God, you plead with Him, and when He pleases and how He pleases, He promises, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And it feels like you're walking on the clouds, a joy unspeakable filled with glory. He pours His love into your heart through the Holy Spirit. You know, um, a man in our church who went to heaven in March 2019, Mike Furi, that man, he went through a very difficult trial because the doctor told him, he had a heart, heart bypass, and I don't know if he had a pacemaker also, but the doctor told him, you will only live 15 years more at most. And 15 years later, 2019, when he was 68 years old, it was, it was I think, a few days short of his 68th birthday. And... Few days before that, he was, he was, he, he was very concerned about this issue, um, and he did die. He did die then, as the doctor said, uh, 15, 15 years max. But a short time before that, he sat in my study when my study was still at the house, and he he was very concerned, 
And I don't know if you guys remember Kurs and Rolf. Remember that day in the prayer room? He also cried and he said, this is what the doctor said. And we encouraged him. But what happened then, that day when he sat in my study, he told me that the Lord encouraged him so much that morning in his quiet time. He got up early, as usual, and he was reading his Bible. And he, then he read a few pages in a book by Jonathan Edwards um, on heaven. And he said it was heaven on earth. It was heaven on earth. He wasn't aware of anything going on around him. He was just aware of God. God. And he had such peace and comfort that even if he dies, it's fine. It's fine. And he was filled with a peace that passes all understanding. Listen. Once you've tasted that, you will want it again and again. You can't manipulate God for it. You can't twist His arm and say, now you should give it. But you can ask Him. And you can believe, verse 18, your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you fast like that. And when you pray like that. And you can, you can expect, and let me close with this verse, that that is God's normal way of working with His people. Psalm 119, verse 132 says, Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way. The Afrikaans says, Soos du. As is your way, that's his normal way, with those who love your name. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray now that you would give us prepared hearts in the week to come, that you would prepare our hearts for next week's fasting and prayer. And that you would lead us and guide us and speak to us. And please, O oh Father, as we draw near to you in secret, reward us with a special sense of your presence and communion and fellowship with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.